this is Deacon Mary Baker, and this is the All Souls Catechesis Podcast. This year, our theme is Signs of Life, Reflections on Hope. And we have been hearing from members of our community about where they have found hope in this last year. Today, we have with us Deacon Joy Unger. And if you are a part of the All Souls community, you know who Deacon Joy Unger is. She is the wife of our priest in charge, Andrew Unger, who is usually the one interviewing. Uh, but Joy and I decided it would be fun to have uh, the two of us talk together. And so I would like to ask Joy some questions that maybe we don't know about her. Um, Joy, when did you and Father Unger come to All Souls? We have been there since the summer of 2007. So that was right after Andrew had graduated from Moody Bible for his undergrad. And I still had remaining time. Um, I had about a year and a semester for um, my degree to finish up at Wheaton. So we were looking for jobs in the Wheaton-ish area, uh, really just kind of piecemeal stuff. But we were also looking, we knew that he had a call to be a pastor. So we were looking around the area. And um, the job that Andrew, well, one of the jobs that Andrew got, because at the time it was very, very part-time work, um, was to be at the youth pastor at All Souls. So that kind of cemented us into the Anglican communion um, and into the Anglican church. We had been attending uh, different Anglican churches in the area together, but um, we had applied in all kinds of denominations. And it we trust that it was the Lord guiding us here. So we've been here since, um, yeah. So since 2007. Wow. That was yeah. uh, 13 years ago. Yes. I actually uh, think that we both started coming to all souls at the same time. Uh, and I clearly remember meeting you and Andrew and how excited everyone was that Andrew was the all souls first youth pastor. Yes. So um, a lot has happened in the past 13 <laughs> years. Yeah. Needless to say, um, one of the things that's happened is your family has grown. You have uh, two children now, Luke, age nine, and Simon, age five. Mm -hmm. But tell us a little bit about the calling you received for ordained ministry. <sighs> Man, it's um, in some ways it, you look back on it and it just seems like, why didn't I see that? It makes so much sense but it took me a long time to recognize what was going on. Um, so I would say that the first time I had had someone um, mention the idea of ministry to me as being something I should consider was when I was confirmed in the United Methodist Church. So I was all of eighth grade, <laughs> those glamorous years of life. And um, the tradition was at my congregation for one of the um, newly confirmed people to be able to preach a message for their congregation um, before they were confirmed by the bishop and so on. And so I, I got the privilege of preaching. And I remember thinking it was fine. I was a little nervous about public speaking, but I thought I did all right. I was confirmed. We were taking pictures. It was very exciting. Um, but I remember that the bishop made a point to find me afterwards and say, you have a calling. You wow. need to consider this. And I sat there and thought, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I was, I was firmly convinced at the time that I was going to be a teacher. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's great. No, <laughs> I'm glad you thought the sermon was good. 
I didn't say any of that, of course. Um, but I continued on that trajectory for a long time. So I ended up eventually at Wheaton College where I was studying music education. And um, about halfway through, I decided I was really wrestling with, oh, should I switch to counseling? Because I really felt called to, to help people. And I was like, well, I, but I really like teaching too. And because I was halfway through a degree that was very difficult, I, I stuck with it. Um, but I was really very happy uh, whenever I was studying scripture. I, those are always classes though, for an undergrad at Wheaton, they are prerequisites. I was very pleased, um, very, very pleased to take them. So I found a lot of joy in those classes. Um, yeah, so Andrew gets this job at All Souls and this is great. I graduate soon after. And um, when I graduated from Wheaton was 2009. And that was right when there started to be this job crisis. And um, there were just no jobs. I remember I was applying for places for teaching positions with people that I was uh, student teaching with. They were losing their jobs and we were applying for the same positions together. And I just sat there and thought, there's no way. <laughs> I'm, there's no way, there's nothing here. Um, and so I found a part-time job at um, where I was teaching choir part-time for middle school students. And I loved the students but it just was a really, really brutally hard year. And um, it was just incredibly challenging. And I, I remember having conversations with Andrew saying, this isn't it. I don't know how I got through a four-year degree and I didn't understand that this wasn't what I'm supposed to do, but this isn't it. Um, and yeah, so- I remember it, I, I was in a Bible study with you at the time and you shared yes. with us that you had come to this realization, this wasn't it. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me because so often, you know, the way we do discern things, um, according to St. Ignatius, is what brings us pleasure? What what mm -hmm. are we doing that makes us feel closer to God and doing what we're supposed to do and being the person who we are? So right. I think that it sounds like that's basically the tra trajectory you were on. So tell us some more about it. Yeah, it was, it was a weird, um, it was a very weird situation to be in because here I am having all the credentials in the world. I'm certified to teach. I've, I'm in good standing. I graduated from with a dual degree. So I had both an education degree and a degree from the conservatory. Everything should be fine on paper. And just internally, I knew that it wasn't um, and it wasn't a good fit. And that was, that was a really hard period. So that job lasted a year. And then I started saying, okay, this isn't it. So I need to find something else. So I did a lot of temporary work. I ended up as a nanny for uh, Buffy Gibbons for a couple of years in between. Um, but it was a real time of discerning, like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Because for what I thought I was supposed to be doing for a long time, it's not it. And um, during this time, I kept having... Um, I was, in, I was at All Souls. So back before we had kids, I was helping out uh, with the All Souls youth group. I would be teaching some of their Bible studies and one of the youth leaders. I eventually became a mentor. Um, from time to time, I taught Bible studies. I also participated in them for a lot of time. But as I was serving there, it just really felt like my opportunities kept growing for the ways I was able to serve at All Souls. Um, those roles kept falling into my lap and not that I was forcing them to happen. It just seemed that God was opening doors and it was work that I enjoyed. Um, 
And as I'm doing this kind of work, I had a series of women in my life and some at all souls and some not, but I had a series of women speak to me unprompted. I did not voice any of this. I might've voiced some of the, um, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing to people, but I didn't voice the, I'm thinking of ministry stuff to people because I didn't know what to make of that. Um, and it started, um, I hope many of you know Nikki Holton. She is a dear friend. Um, and I'm sad that I don't catch up with her often. But uh, there was a youth group event at her house and there was a pool party. And uh, we're talking with kids and we're grabbing a hot dog. And in between things, she's like, you know what? I just, I just get the sense that you're meant to preach. I don't know what to make of that, but you know, you should, you should pray about that. It's like, okay, that's interesting. And over the next probably four or five years, I probably had six to seven women find me, women of, of great character, women that I knew were thoughtful and invested in the Lord and were um, attentive to listening. The last one came shortly after I had had Luke. I, he was just a newborn little itty bitty thing. And I was way out of it and um, barely paying attention to anything. But it was um, Marilyn, a St. Marilyn, I call her. She is now gone to be with the Lord. Um, and I was at her house and just grabbing a cup of coffee and some cookies on Christmas Eve. And she pulled me aside and said, I don't know why I need to say this, but I think it's the Lord telling me. You need to consider ministry. I think you are called to serve. And wow. I, as I'm looking at her kind of dumbstruck and just, what did you say? And she's like, you know, enjoy the cookies, pray about it. Not my business. <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> uh, wow. And that was, uh, that was the last one that I had that finally was the, okay, I, I really think I need to pursue this. So then I requested a discernment committee be formed and, and a discernment committee was formed. And that took a little bit of time because I was also um, a new mom. And so some of the work that I had to do with the discerning, just it needed to happen in a way that I wasn't going to make myself crazy. So that unfolded over a couple of years. And then eventually it was confirmed. I, yes, we do think that you have a call to serve. And I became ordained to the diaconate. Um, August, I think 26th is my, is my uh, ordination date. And I think this is going on year four for me. Wow. So it's been, wow. it's been quite a ride. Yeah. Yes. That's wonderful. And I know in the meantime, you also took some classes, some Bible yes. classes and got, a, you know, so yeah. Yeah. And it was, I had to do all of the prerequisite work alongside. So I was doing classwork yeah. with kids and trying to do stuff still at church. So it was a very hectic season, but a good one. And yeah, busy. Well, <laughs> that is a wonderful story. Um, and I certainly am one of those people, I think I actually was on your discernment committee. Yes. committee and I was definitely one of those people that said, yes. Um, this is what God probably has for you. If, if we all can agree on this. Yeah. So this is the question of the hour. Where have you found hope this year? You know, hope is such a, in some ways I both love the mention of hope. And sometimes I think it's been, um, really just, uh, made a really sappy syrupy thing, <laughs> you know, Oh, I hope everything's wonderful. Um, that's not the kind of hope I'm talking about. Hope that I'm talking about has a little more grit to it. 
Um, I thought actually Mark Clemens did a great job with his last, um, this last week's catechesis podcast mm-hmm. of pointing us to um, the depths of hope that it's not just this pretty little light thing. And so if you haven't listened to it, you should, it's, it's excellent. Um, but, you know, obviously we all got surprised with the pandemic hitting us. I think we knew it was happening around the world, but I don't think we had any idea what was in store for us. Um, so obviously we get, <laughs> we get the idea to, you know, you need to shelter in place. We get that order. Um, and for me, I think when you look around, um, my house is not very big, but what it does have, if you are ever at my house, Lord willing, sometime uh, when we can do that safely, I have windows at my kitchen and in my living room that's basically like a half wall of windows that opens up to my front yard. And um, it doesn't get a lot of sunlight, so I can't really grow plants, but it does offer me this big view of the outside world. And I found myself as I was in my home feeling like there's no place to go. I know I'm safe here. I'm not stuck here. I'm safe here, but just feeling like it was a very confined space and looking outside longingly at just what the outside world meant and the freedom for that could be. Um, so it, it made me start to look at the outside world and to really kind of start to take stock in it in a way that I hadn't paid attention before. Um, I started really becoming aware of not just the plants, or my neighbors or the traffic and car noise, but I started becoming aware of the creatures and the birds and the different things that I would see that were sharing my space with me um, that I just hadn't really been paying attention to before. So um, that is kind of, I just started to pay attention more to my outside. So, you, I know that you also uh, began to see birds everywhere. Tell us a little bit more <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, once you start paying attention to things, it feels like sometimes they pop up at you and you can't get away from them. Like once you're engaged, you can't help but see everything. Um, I started to see birds. I started to pay attention to them and I started to see them. They were around. I would hear them on the walk with the dog. I would see them kind of flitting from place to place. Um, and so I was just taking stock of them. I was like, oh, that's nice, you know, kind of company. But it all kind of comes together for me. Um, this would have been the Saturday before Palm Sunday, whatever it is that we call that day in the church. Uh, that Saturday, we were not going to be coming to church for um, Palm Sunday. We were still very much only doing virtual services, but we had an opportunity to pick up palm branches if you wanted to incorporate them for worship at home and to do some of your processional and celebration. So I was the one who got to pass out the palms. Um, and it was kind of a weird day. It was cold and windy and um, it was just a really uncertain time. We didn't know how this was, how this stuff is exactly passed around. We didn't know how COVID was transmitted. So people were much more uncertain. Do you have to wipe your hands after every interaction? Do you need to keep space? Like, what is it that passes this on? So people were just a little more on edge, but I remember I was sitting underneath the All Souls patio um, with a stack of palms and a box next to me and a mask on my first homemade mask, which was not fitting very good. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, it's only a short time. I should practice being present to the world. Um, I'm one of the people that you have to force to slow down generally to pay attention to things. Um, I think that applies to a lot of us, but that is a lot of the work that I try to do in spiritual direction is to 
stop and to slow down and to do some of that um, paying attention and listening work. So I sat there and thought, okay, if I'm not passing out poems, that's going to be what I'm doing. So I did. And, um, you know, you notice things that you notice at first, there's a lot of traffic noise. Maybe you hear um, someone pulling into the parking lot. You're going to hear some winds rustling. And then I hear some birds chirping. And so I start to look around. Oh, where's that coming from? And as I'm looking, there used to be, I don't know if it still is with this new, I haven't taken um, a good look at the new roof line to say for sure, but there used to be a downspout right at the edge of where the patio is for the church, that just the entryway. There's a downspout that went from the gutters down to the ground so that water could run off. And as I look there, there's a small little nest. And as I look, I can see mama bird, um, small little thing, just a sparrow, brown, very, very typical, um, nothing special. But as I sit there and watch, if I'm quiet enough and if I'm still enough, I can hear her birds, her little babies, they're chirping for her. And I see her bustling about and trying to give them food. And as soon as someone pulls up and they hear the car door, they go silent. But this continued. Wow. And, and I just, it came to mind as I'm observing this, I sat there and thought, oh, how cute, how nice. That's, that's really sweet. They feel safe here. And this is one of those things where sometimes the Lord just gives you a gift and you take it and you say, thank you. This is one of the things that came to mind. It was a verse, um, Psalm 84, verse three, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Wow. Um, and those are words I believe of David, uh, that, when he's looking at the temple and talking about how good it is to be in the presence of God. And I sat there and thought, okay, there's something here that I need to, I need to sit with. I'm going to need to explore. So, wow. I mean, the bird literally was laying her young at the yes. altar. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there she was right outside our, you know, attached some way to our building. Yeah. That's yeah. really, yeah. And she was there and I, you know, there's something really profound about that in a way it, it really brought to mind. We share this space. This is, you know, our church space. Mm -hmm. I think of this as my church yes. when I walk in, but she thought of it as her home too. Yes. And that's all of a sudden very interesting to me. I'm suddenly broadening my understanding of um, this little outpost of creation and what this means. So I needed to, um, I needed to explore this more. So um, I chose to I stopped at the store and I got a bird feeder that week Okay, <laughs> on one of my very uh, few trips out to the world. I think it was actually at Aldi when I was doing my grocery shopping. So that seemed to be a nice start. And I'm like, oh, it's right there. No problem. Um, and I got a hook, a little shepherd's hook, and I hung it outside my window. And I started, I started to try to feed the birds. And keep in mind, I know nothing of birds. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I just, I know, I know enough that I've seen them in my life, but I don't know them. I haven't been brought up in a birding home. I don't know what this is, yeah. but I start to feed them. Yeah. Um, and it, it, as, as I feed them, I start to notice some regulars. I start to notice um, who are the types of birds that are coming to my window. And at first I can't identify them other than big and small, brown or black and white, maybe you know, if it's a robin or a cardinal or a blue jay, some that are pretty mm -hmm. easy to kind of see and spot. But that's all I had. And so I started, I found a, there's a free app, the Merlin Bird app. So it's run by Cornell University. And it's a free app where um, 
it's bird identification. So you can take a picture on your smartphone and of whatever you see, and then you can run it through their system and they can tell you probably what it is. Or you could look up um, bird calls or bird song and see if you can identify it that way. But I decided to start trying to get to know my neighbors and um, my neighbors were the birds. So um, it was, this was something that I did every day. So it became a new rhythm for me, something to do. I would get the kids breakfast. I would feed the dog. I would put on the coffee and then I would go feed the birds and I would come back inside and then I would watch them with my cup of coffee. Um, well, I'm obviously still <laughs> with my kids and I just got to know them a little bit. I got to know their personalities, some of their quirks. Um, it, it felt like it was, it was astonishing to me to see how much variety and how much difference there was um, just right outside my window that I had mm -hmm. been completely oblivious to um, just because I wasn't paying attention. Wow. So that was pretty surprising. <laughs> um, but they kind of just taught me there's something there that I thought was really appealing in which there was a huge variety and um, that kind of just arrived. I've seen from my window that I can count just at my bird feeder, not out in the marsh or anything like that, but at my little bird feeder, I've seen 33 species since wow. I started. Um, and I keep That's a little hard record. to believe. <laughs> I, it is, but I swear I, to I you. Mean, I, I stare out my window and I see a I see cardinals and I see mm -hmm. sparrows, but 33 different species. Yeah. Uh, that's really being observant and it, that's really neat. Yeah. It, it really astonished me in a way for like, I felt like, well, I'm really unobservant. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like how self-centered am I? How self-focused am I that I didn't even know I had this kind of variety and keep in mind, I'm not looking at all the creatures. I'm not looking at squirrels or, or trying to identify different types of rabbits. Although sure, if I see them, that's fine. I'm just focusing on birds. Um, so that was really astonishing to me to see that. But as I kind of was watching them, it came, it came to mind this idea that um, as I'm starting to get to know all the birds, right? I recognize that I'm not <laughs> I'm not the only person who knows them. Of course, there are birders and people who are very uh, well-versed in what the different creatures are and all kinds of stuff. But I'm talking about the sheer variety of things that the Lord knows and how he doesn't just know me and he doesn't just know my family or my friends or just my neighborhood or even, you know, our country, our world. It's not just the people the Lord knows. It's his creatures too. It's his creation. He knows every one of them. He designed them. He imagined them and breathe them into being essentially. That's astonishing to me. Um, and as I was thinking of that, I started, <laughs> I started just imagining this idea that um, my bird feeder is a non-discriminatory bird feeder. You don't have to be exotic. I'm not looking for any one type of bird. I buy just kind of a general kind of seed. Anyone is welcome, even the sparrows, um, who most people, most serious birders will tell you are a nuisance and are a problem as an invasive species. I'm, I'm not particular about it, but as the spiritual practice, it came to mind this picture of just all are known, all are welcome and all are fed. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. The bird seed was going to be there anyways, but they showed up and in doing so they were provided for. Um, and that, that felt like a holy understanding. Um, that seems significant to me. 
even if I don't fully understand the why. But I think it has to be that there are echoes to the Eucharist and to the Lord's table. There's something that rings like an echo there for me. All are known. All are welcome. All are fed. If you profess your faith. Yes. You baptize, profess your faith. There's something really, really striking about that image. Yes. Um, I also think the image is also that the, that God uses created things that created things are also birds and animals and bread and wine. All of these things are blessed by God. We so often just want to break down what's spiritual and what's physical, but God (laughs) doesn't do that. Right. Um, So I'm also thinking about, you know, there's just so many examples of birds speaking to people in scripture also. (laughs) Yeah. This is um, this is one of those things I mentioned earlier that once you start seeing or thinking about something, you see it, it seems to pop up in front of you all the time. Um, once I started cluing in and paying attention to birds, you really, if you're reading through, if you're reading through just the lectionary or reading through different parts of scripture, you start to see really how often they are popping up. They're everywhere. <laughs> I mean, they're they're used as messengers, they're used as offerings, they're used as sacrifices, they're used as symbols of good and for bad, they're used as food, they're used just countless ways. Um, so it seems like they're everywhere, Old Testament and New, lots of birds mentioned, um, and not just vague the birds, but sometimes even down to the species, like a raven or a bittern is mentioned specifically, or an owl. Um, so it was pretty and it was pretty interesting and pretty amazing to see this to see scripture through a whole new lens um mm-hmm. yeah yeah i, I mean I, i'm actually also thinking about how the holy spirit appears yes. as a dove yes um that's pretty that that's like pretty wild because um the dove is a pigeon <laughs> so i mean yeah. It really is another way of just understanding how God really wants to use creation to bless us. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, what are some of the ways, what are some of the things you've learned specifically? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's, we'll take the dove as an example here. So I was, I was reading a couple books just for curiosity and just to find out. Um, and one of the books was Consider the Birds by Debbie Blue. Another was The Eye on the Sparrow by Sally Roth. And both of them talk about what we can learn about birds from scripture in a very interesting way. So the first one is from a Christian. The second one comes from an atheist, but just decided to undertake this project. So very interesting perspectives. Um, So this is where some of my information comes from. But the dove, um, the dove probably is one of my favorite mentions in scripture. I think it's also one of the least um, critically thought of in scripture too. (laughs) I think we think, oh yes, white bird, very nice. Okay, and maybe we see it on some some holy linens around the church, or maybe we see it on some uh, greeting cards, cards, or if it was me (laughs) growing up, probably on some Pentecost coloring sheet as a kid, you see Mm -hmm. a dove. Um, But there's a lot more to it than just a white bird. So we see the dove used, I mean, he's used as Noah's messenger. Um, they're birds that are acceptable for offerings, for sin offerings or for oh, that's um, interesting. 
Yeah, for sin offerings yeah. or for um, different types of Levitical offerings. They mention them as turtle doves. So that's the same type of dove that's that they're mentioning. But you see them again and again popping up in those ordinary ways. And then you get some of this really interesting stuff where in the beginning was God, right? Genesis mm-hmm. 1, we start hearing about who God is. And we get this really interesting picture of the spirit of God hovering over the waters like a bird, hovering. We see it, this echoed again in a couple different places. Um, oh, so this is the connection is the traditionally, if you're studying with a rabbi, some of the rabbinical sources believe that it wasn't just a bird, but it was a dove. That's what they teach. Mm-hmm. So then we look over and when you think about Mary and the Annunciation, you have Gabriel giving her this message and she says, may it be unto me. Um, and then we see that it's described that the spirit descends upon Mary and hovers over her like a dove. So there's this echo to creation 2.0 yeah. uh-huh. then happening with Mary and it's a dove again, both times. Mm-hmm. And then if that wasn't enough, when we see Jesus being baptized, we get this beautiful triune picture at his baptism. But the text even explicitly says that we have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And we hear the voice of the Lord God, the Father say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, Explicitly talking about this. So you get this wild picture of just, okay, so what's up with the pigeon? Like, (laughs) Like out of all the birds that you could sit there and think of, a dove, yes. it, a, we think of like a white dove as a symbol of purity and beauty and how, but it probably wasn't a white dove. If you look at some of the research for the birds that were typical in the area, it was probably closer to a rock pigeon, which if you don't know what a rock pigeon looks like, envision when you are downtown in Chicago and you see those pigeons fighting over like garbage fries and that kind of stuff. That's the closest <laughs> thing we have to a rock pigeon. Wow. Um, so what on earth is that about? (laughs) Like, what is it? Why? Why a pigeon? What are you talking about, God? Um, Of all the things that you could pick, you didn't pick the most majestic. You picked something that is remarkably common. And ordinary. Ordinary. And again, like bread and wine. Exactly. Unassuming. But a symbol that everyone understood during that time, you know? Absolutely. So. And even, even the poorest would have been able to afford either um, turtle doves or pigeons to sacrifice. That was the offering of the poor. It's what we hear Mary and Joseph offer for, um, for Mary's ritual cleansing at uh, the temple after Jesus' wow. birth. So, you know, I just never noticed how much doves appear in scripture. So I think yeah. this is pretty amazing. And also my picture is completely different now of that right. dove descending on Jesus's baptism. Right. I so, mean, um, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> so you're sound, to me, you're starting to sound like a little bit like St. Francis, because I think mm-hmm. these birds have become your friends. So that's <laughs> a little bit about that. <laughs> you're not far off. I mean, uh, I'm, I still am very pleased to have my human friends, but as we have been more isolated this year, um, We've gotten to know our neighborhoods and our backyards. And for me, my bird friends quite well. So uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned St. Francis because I 
started to, I was noticing that as I'm doing my morning routine, I'm talking to my kids as I get them breakfast. I'm telling my dog, just hang on a second. I'm going to let you out. Here's your food. So then I make my coffee and then I head out to go feed my birds and I start talking to them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to talk to them like they're pets or they're my friends. I'm just like, I know guys, it's okay. You don't have to be scared. I'm going to feed the feeder. Then you can pop right back in. It's not going to be a big deal. And I started to just kind of laugh like that's odd. I'm talking to them like they understand me. And then I paused because again, I don't know everything, but I do know some about St. Francis. And I do know that there's a very famous reported story of him where he does preach to the birds. You always see little St. Francis statues with a bird on their shoulder and maybe some other creatures around him. Right. Yes. Um, But I decided to look into that a bit. So I decided, okay, so I know he preached. Well, let me see what I can find out about it. And it turns out that um, there was several different biographies written by contemporaries of St. Francis, and each of them included this story. And we get this story because he had um, followers that were going with him from place to place. And the story goes that St. Francis was at a turning point in his life where he had asked God, do you want me to devote myself to silence and prayer or should I should I go about preaching the gospel wherever I go? And um, through his friends and through his own discernment, he heard, no, go preach. And so he starts off down the road. And before he even comes to a town, he comes and sees this flock of birds off the side of the road. And he goes and he starts preaching to them this essentially mini sermon, uh, which is a paraphrase of Matthew 6. So this portion on the Sermon of the Mount where Jesus is talking about uh, not being anxious for anything. So The verse is from Matthew's gospel. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so he takes this, he takes this portion of Jesus's sermon on the Mount and he turns it and starts preaching it to the birds. He says, my brothers and sisters, my winged brothers and sisters. And he starts to preach and tell them about this. Um, about this good news. And we get this account that they were all uncharacteristically uh, silent and paying attention and engaged and that he was walking among them and the birds didn't startle and they didn't fly away. They waited until he gave them the benediction and a sign of the cross. And then they went on their merry way, singing and rejoicing. And um, St. Francis then, you know, goes back down the road to continue preaching to things. And, but from this moment on for his ministry, he sees this as a turning point for him. He refuses to just look at people as his charge. He sees it as a, as the job to preach to all creation and to understand a much fuller picture of what it looks like for all things, every knee to bow, every tongue confess um, that Jesus is Lord he understands that to mean the creation itself, just as the creation groans waiting for the redemption, it also then will be included in worship. So there's a great quote from one of his biographies that said this, St. Francis refused to be a human chauvinist, presuming that he was to be saved apart from the rest of creation. Um, He refused to engage like that. So he advocated for, um, on Christmas day, there's a great letter where he was, um, writing to the emperor or the, the powers that be and says, you know, Hey, it's Christmas day, you know, make sure that people have food to eat. Yes. But also while we're at it, 
make sure we scatter enough bird seed on the ground outside so that the birds and the creatures can eat and take some of that leftover food and rub it on the castle walls outside so other animals can come and grab and feast on it and make sure that all of the stabled animals, they should get a lovely feast too because they're worshiping on Christmas day as well. Um, it's this much fuller kind of picture of what it is for all creation to worship together. Um, enough that he starts to call them brothers and sisters. So I don't know, uh, maybe I started going a little crazy with it. Maybe I, I'm reading too much into it, but if I am, then I'm going the eccentric route that St. Saint Fran Saint Francis seems to be um, paving <laughs> for me. Um, where it changes how I look at the world around, not just as the people that need to be saved and redeemed, but in a very real sense, these creatures too. Um, I, I really love that, Joy. I, I mean, I'm thinking about how, you know, we were commissioned um, mm -hmm. to be the stewards and yes. instead of uh, the stewards of creation. And instead we have, Kind of placed ourselves at the center of creation and everything is for our disposal mm. and i love what you're saying is that even in the midst of covid and everything that is happening to the human population in the world you are able to look at creation and see how god continues to sustain it and yeah. that was a source of hope for you yeah. Um, I really like that part about St. Francis refused to be a human chauvinist. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just struck that it has to be from a remarkable sense of humility. Um, if I was uh, ignorant for not seeing things outside my window is because I was too self-centered. Francis, I think understood this because he was looking outward and he was focused on the world around him and what his call was. There's a radical humility there um, yes. that enables him to see around him. And that's, you know, that speaks to a lot. <laughs> that's a sermon right there. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the whole um, cyclical nature of yes. um, creation also that, you know, we're going through this cycle of pain yeah. in our world right now with this worldwide pandemic, yes. but somehow seeing that God still continues to care for us. Yeah. Um, and I think the way in which you've been attentive to nature and to birds and discovering that there were 33 different species of birds in your yard. Yeah. And I love that you began to consider them friends and you started talking to them. Um, but I can really understand how that was a source of peace for you um, yeah. in this time. And also, I think so many of us have felt isolated. Mm. And it, it sounds to me like one of your cures for that feeling of isolation is to become more connected to yeah. these creatures um, that are surviving along yeah. with us. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I fully recognize that all I'm doing is providing them a lovely snack. Um, just yes. like, just like, you know, you can't get prideful about this. I'm not, you know, I used to think, oh, I have to make sure I run out there to feed them because if I don't, what will happen? And over time, God showed me how ridiculous that was. <laughs> yes. You missed the point of the Sermon on the Mount, Joy. 
Jesus doesn't say, unless you go out there and feed them joy, they will starve. No, 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 no. He says they neither sow nor they reap, but their father takes care of them. Their heavenly father feeds them. So all I'm doing, and I, it's a, it's as much of a gift for them as it is a gift for me is I'm participating in this rhythm of being able to echo some of the provision that God gives to all of us and some of God's provision for his entire creation. This is, I'm just, I'm just having little moments of like holy play with this when I'm setting it out for the birds. Mm -hmm. If I were to suddenly stop putting out the bird seed, they would come looking, but they would live. And that's because God is the one who tends them, not me. Um, yes. And so that's a, again, this kind of discipline, there are layers to it. You sit with it and you see, and you, you learn things as you go about yourself. Um, but you realize it's just, it's an extension of grace. Um, and if with all the bad things that happen in the world and not just the pandemic going on that they endure and survive through, but, you know, we humans are not kind to their environment either. Right. These, these species, they feel the earth groaning. I mean, that Romans passage, the entirety of creation groans. Well, they do that because in so many ways we have failed as stewards um, to take care of this world the way that we were supposed to. Um, I think of that a lot now when we're praying um, and asking for forgiveness of sins and the things we have done and left undone. Um, yes. That yeah, I think I- about our creation now. I wish more people would be as attentive to nature and the things that are around us. And perhaps they would give more thought um, than yeah. that. I mean, there's just so much to learn there. Yeah, um, there really is. Yeah. But I think the key, I mean, it's interesting to me that where this all started with you was wanting to learn how to sit with yourself in solitude yes. and with God yeah. and begin to be attentive. And one of the best ways to observe silence is and get outside of yourself and your own thoughts is to simply listen. Yeah. And what a gift that was for you. Yeah. Um, that ability for you to be able to sit and listen and this led you on this wonderful adventure. It sounds like you've read a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> you I learned have. a lot about birds, but I think yeah. more than anything, what I'm hearing from you is that you learned trust. Yeah. Um, that this, this was a time where you learned trust that yeah. God can provide for us as he provides for these tiny little creatures in every yeah. single season. Absolutely. And, you know, it just, it keeps bouncing right back to that Matthew six passage. Yes. You know, if God takes care of these birds, are you not of more value than they are? Do, do we really think that, do we really think that God, if he cares that much over a raven or a sparrow or a swallow, he knows the, you know, read Job and see the expanse of all the things that he describes and what is his domain and what he has created and what he knows about them, numbering the stars. If he knows all of those things and tends them and cares for them and provides for them in his creation, do I really think that humans, humanity made in the image of God, do I really think he's going to let us fall too? Do I think he's going to forget about my concerns? No, I can't. 
I know better now. And it's as if, if you take the time to see what's happening outside, if you can slow down a little bit, you can see those reminders echoed throughout creation, um, echoed in the plants coming back to life and, and bursting forth now that it's almost spring in Chicago. <laughs> I don't want to say that too, too flippantly, then we'll get more snow. Um, but just as the plants come forth again and the birds come back and you start seeing new signs of life, all of that is as certain as the dawn rising. Hmm. And that's the certainty that we have that God cares for us. Not a single thing will go amiss. Well, I think that is a beautiful way to end our conversation mm-hmm. here. Um, this ending on how, if we are able to observe everything around us, that we are not able to lose hope yeah. that he indeed cares for us. So yeah. thank you very much, Joy. Um, I really you. enjoyed talking with you this evening. <laughs> yes, thank and, you. Uh, I know I'm going to be probably trying to find that app and start yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. all the birds in my yard. I'm happy um, to help you find the app. It's a free one, so you don't have to make any commitment to it, which is excellent. So it's that if is, you want to get involved, yeah. it's a good way of doing it. Okay, great. Well, I think I will end with yep. just quoting that that scripture. Yeah. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Mm. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.